Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hi, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, uh, joining you for our time of prayer and scripture. Uh, thanks for your patience uh, over these uh, recent days. Um, I, uh, I was traveling in New York and, uh, of course, uh, there for the, uh, the holidays. I'm back in my office now, and uh, it is the Feast of the Holy Innocents today. And we are going to reflect on this powerful gospel reading. It ties in so deeply with the theme of pro-life that we are always emphasizing. So welcome. Please uh, feel free to leave your prayer intentions in the comments. Let's continue praying for each other and inviting others in uh, to join us in these times of prayer and reflection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, you are the Lord and giver of life. All things were created through your Son. Your Holy Spirit breathes life into our universe. You, the one God in three persons, are the giver of life. And Lord, therefore, it is against you to take life. It is contrary to your will, always contrary to your will, to kill the innocent. And Lord, we see in your word horrifying examples of the of the distortion, the corruption of the human will when it decides to take the lives of babies. Lord, we are disgusted and upset and righteously angry at the ongoing taking of, of lives in the womb and the, and the crooked justifications that are made for this behavior. Free us. Free us in our minds from any thought patterns that justify this behavior Free us in our laws, free us in our court decisions, free us in every way from this horror of child killing in our midst, and help us today to understand from your word the choice we have between the culture of life and the culture of death. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let's go right into this reading from the Gospel of Matthew. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that they had been deceived by the Magi, he became furious. He ordered the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. Then was fulfilled what had been said through Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, sobbing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. And she would not be consoled, since they were no more. Powerful passage, brothers and sisters. So much history here, so many lessons. 
The first being that Christmas is immediately greeted by the cross. The baby laid in the manger is immediately overshadowed by the shadow of death. Not overcome by it, but the shadow of the cross immediately is cast over that manger. On the day after Christmas, the church celebrates the feast of the first Christian martyr, whose martyrdom we read about in Scripture itself in the Acts of the Apostles, St. Stephen. Right away, the hatred that is launched against this child becomes evident. And now, two days later, this massive hatred of the child, born of fear, born of arrogance, this hatred of the child is manifested in the slaughter of the infants of Bethlehem. The boys, two years old and younger, all ordered to be destroyed by a king, King Herod. It says earlier in Matthew's Gospel that when Herod heard about this birth of the newborn king, it's a fascinating verse, it says he was troubled by this news and all Jerusalem with him. Imagine. A whole city perturbed by the birth of a child? One of the reasons God became a baby was so that he can show how approachable he is. And now a whole city and its king are disturbed by the birth of a child. It shows what the human mind can do to us. It shows what human fear can do to us, doesn't it? Powers of envy, powers of the imagination. A king afraid of a baby? Oh yes, so much so that if he can't find that specific child, and you see God's direct intervention here and the role of Joseph, by the way, in protecting God. Usually we think about God protecting us. Here Joseph plays a role in protecting God. That when this fails, when Herod fails to pinpoint the child, he doesn't care about human life. He'll kill all the children, cast a wider net. Just be sure that the power of death stops whatever threat this child represents. The spirit of Herod is alive and well today as we see earthly powers justifying the killing of babies by abortion. Now, before we get to that connection, it is celebrated today in the Catholic Church and in various ways in in some other uh, denominations This feast day of the Holy Innocents, as a group, we consider these children to be Holy Innocents. They certainly did not commit any sin themselves, and yet they were killed. And why are they regarded as uh, saints? Because they were killed directly out of hatred for Christ. You know, when someone is a martyr... They are told, you know, renounce your faith, and and it's because of their love for Christ that they do not do so, and it's because of their killer's hatred for Christ that then they end up killing them. So martyrdom is based on the love of Christ, and those who are killing the martyrs hate Christ. So we have here the similar dynamic, that even though these babies were not in a position to profess their faith in Christ, they weren't mature enough yet, they didn't know, Nevertheless, because their death came about through hatred of Christ, 
Herod and all Jerusalem perturbed by the death of the, by the, by the birth of this child, they are considered martyrs. Similarly today, within Catholic circles, many theologians have proposed that all the babies being killed by abortion likewise be recognized as holy innocents. Now that's something that is in progress, in discussion, has been for many years. When I worked at the Vatican, the question came uh, to my office and I met with some of the people engaged in, in a deeper study of this. Because you can see, not in the, we're not talking about the moms who are getting abortions, but looking at the forces in our society that promote abortion, there is no question there is a hatred for Christ. The pro-abortion groups hate the church. They hate the scriptures. The satanic group that had its conference earlier this year up in Boston uh, saying that they... Uh, uh, that they, they're, they're actually suing in court for the freedom to have abortion based on a freedom of religion turned upside down and saying, oh, well, it's our freedom of satanic religion to kill these babies. They have a hatred. You saw in their conference somebody literally ripping pages of the Bible out, throwing them on the floor. This is not hatred for the things of Christ? Of course it is. We can look at the overall tragedy of abortion, we can look at the Holocaust without necessarily judging, because we don't judge the individual women getting abortions. Rather, we, we help them, we minister to them. I'm the pastoral director of Rachel's Vineyard, the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion, silent no more. The largest mobilization of those who've had abortions and speak out about it. We have compassion on these women, but you look at the forces pushing, promoting, Abortion. You look at the Democrat Party's attitude towards abortion. The absolute, they're like zealous apostles of abortion. They want more and more and more of this bloodshed. This is the spirit of Herod in our day today. Brothers and sisters, we also see the reference here to Rachel. I just mentioned Rachel's vineyard. We use Rachel, who was the, husband, the, the wife of Jacob, whose name later became Israel, and she said, give me children. She longed for children. Give me children or I shall die. And God gave her two children, but she died as the second one was being born. And here we have a quote from Jeremiah, where Jeremiah, at the time that the Israelites were being led into exile, the people of Judah were being led into exile, he looks at the tomb of Rachel, near which the exiles were marching towards Babylon. And, and, he, and he puts forward this prophecy that Rachel, having long ago died, now is mourning for these children, the children of Israel, being led into captivity. And now Matthew takes that prophecy and brings it, applies it to yet another situation with this massacre of the Holy Innocents. And then we apply it now to a third instance, a third circumstance, which is the tears, the grief, and some of you watching are in this group of people, of those who have lost children to abortion, who realize that they were manipulated. They, not that they don't acknowledge their own guilt and responsibility. They do. That's part of the grieving. But they're also angry at how they were deceived, manipulated, forced, pressured, 
into getting abortions, lied to. Is it a baby? No, it's just a clump of cells. Will it hurt? No, until they're screaming out in pain. Will I feel better afterwards? Will it solve my problems? And they realize, no, it has created more problems than it's solved. There's a righteous anger here. And we have, therefore, the spirit of Herod, this imposed culture of death, this imposed holocaust. And we have the sobbing and loud lamentation of countless people who have had abortions, some of them lamenting out loud. And that's why we will again in January, in just a few weeks, at the March for Life in Washington and at the Walk for Life West Coast in San Francisco, give an opportunity to those who have lost children to abortion to share their stories openly. We have uh, many of these uh, people doing so publicly. Check out abortiontestimonies.com. But we have even countless more wailing in private, wailing and, and mourning, but not even talking to anybody about their pain. And we want to urgently invite them today on this Feast of the Holy Innocents to embrace the Jesus who heals them, the one who was targeted here in this Bethlehem Holocaust, but the one who was indeed preserved and came to die for us and rise again and bring us healing. Brothers and sisters, what a, um, an important day to renew our pro-life commitment. The spirit of Herod is alive and well in our day, manifesting itself in court decisions, manifesting itself in these ballot initiatives that just want to, are, are put forward in various states to allow unlimited abortion, and it's just fueled by a bloodlust. It's just fueled by a desire for more and more, more and more bloodshed, more and more death, more and more destruction. It is the spirit of Herod, and it is a spirit that we must resist as we defend these babies, as we use every power we have as voters and, 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 and persuaders and, and those who preach as preachers and parents to instill in their children and their families the love of life and the educational efforts to show people the reality of the unborn. Today, more than ever, let's recommit ourselves to this great task as we pray to the Lord as we pray for the intercession of the holy innocents. Let us pray. Father, we come before you with mourning and loud lamentation, because blessed are they who mourn over the sins that they have committed, over the sins of the world. Lord, even if we had not, have not had any personal involvement in abortion, we nevertheless join in this loud lamentation, because it, these are our brothers and sisters being killed each day as the spirit of Herod continues to menace the world. Bless us in our strength of witness, our clarity of witness to the dignity of life, and may we never tire of speaking up for the most innocent. Together with this, Lord, we bring to you all of our intentions, all of our needs, all of our prayers. We ask you to listen, answer, show your love for us by constantly fulfilling our needs, because you are our loving Father, the God of life. And we pray to you as Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We pray to our Heavenly Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Thanks, friends. God bless you, and uh, bless your pro-life commitment. We will talk to you soon. Hello. I'm Evangelist Alveda King with Priest for Life. The great issues of social justice, civil rights, and pro-life in our nation have made progress when citizens take their convictions into the voting booth. It's not enough simply to believe or speak about what is right. We have to elect lawmakers who will pass the right laws. As my uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the law can't make my brother love me, but it can stop him from lynching me. Making laws and changing hearts go hand in hand. When people's hearts and minds are changed, they will elect people who will change laws and court decisions. So dear friends, if you're not yet registered to vote, please register today. And when you do go into that polling place, please vote pro-life. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.